The reading tonight is from the second letter to Corinthians, chapter 4. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, starting at verse 6. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we are alive, we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody online as well. It is fantastic to see you all on this lovely, on this lovely uh, Saturday night. Let me just get my Bible out. Uh, I would recommend uh, grabbing yourself a physical Bible. Um, uh, shout out to the crew at the front who endured this last night. Uh, if you would like to get up and grab one, there is a whole bunch at the back. Uh, I would recommend this. If you're not going to do that, that's okay, but get one out on your phone uh, because tonight is a... We're not going into our series in parables just yet. That's starting next week. Uh, I get the opportunity to do a little bit more of a topical uh, thing here this evening. And in doing that, I'm going to jump around quite a bit. So keep your fingers in 2 Corinthians, uh, but it'd be great to have your Bible. There's going to be slides, but I think it's really good to be able to check what I'm saying is legit. Um, and so I'd encourage you to follow along uh, and jump through. So please join with me as I do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start by telling you uh, that I'm going to ask a question. Uh, it's not a question that I need answering from you guys. It's hopefully one that I will answer uh, by the end of it. Uh, but the question is this. How do Christians be resilient? How do we face trials and obligations and not fall down? 
And maybe even more than that, how do we live out Romans 12, 11 to 12, which says this, hopefully it'll be on the screen or you can jump to it. Uh, Romans 12, 11 to 12, which says this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. But the first question was, how do we be resilient, let alone get to that point? And before, so before we can go that far, let's focus on this question, one that cannot be answered in the next 20 minutes. Uh, it can't be probably answered properly by a preacher in the next hour. Uh, people write books uh, about specific facets of this question. You can go to seminars that go for days. You can read PhDs. Uh, and what makes it even harder to answer, for me anyway, is that I don't know your specifics. There are things that you have been through, that you are going through, and that you are yet to go through, that I just will never, ever understand. There are things that I have been through, and am going through, and are still to go through, that you will never understand. And that's okay. But I wanted to set that as a, as a way to start. Uh, because as I address this topic, I won't have heaps of opportunities to share stuff that has happened in my 25 years uh, to help you with your uh, endurance as a Christian. Instead, I'm going to spend a lot of time reading from this thing. This is the word of God, and it is my privilege and honor to open that and try and answer this question from this, this evening. With the knowledge that everyone has different levels of resilience, and everyone has different, level, have different battles to fight. Whether it be facing burnout at work or in ministry, whether it be struggles at home with families or marriages, whether it be battles in workplaces, battles with personal chronic health issues or mental health. It could be our own personal histories or our own personal sin. How, in amongst all of that, do we be resilient, let alone this? never lacking in zeal or energy or enthusiasm in the service of God. I am not a motivational speaker. This is not a self-help book with really pretty quotes and pictures. Uh, yours might have pictures. That would be really cool. Um, it is your app is not a self-help app that sends you a little tidbit to start each day. This is the word of God. And I hope that in this next little while, it will have that answer to that question of what does it look like to be a resilient disciple, a resilient follower of Jesus. I'm going to delve into that word now, but before I do, let me pray uh, and then we'll kick off. Heavenly Father, Lord, may you speak through me today. May you help us respond to what your word has to say about our lives and about how we respond to the battles we face. Amen. If you're the sort of, sort of person to take notes, 
hopefully you got today's big question uh, already, uh, that idea of what does it look like to be a resilient disciple, uh, that what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus, uh, to face trials and obligations and not fall over. And that comes with a big answer. And that answer is going to be, we can't rely on our own strength. Which leads me to a big idea that I'm going to have that'll, that'll kind of be across this whole thing. This idea is the resilient disciple isn't alone. And to unpack that, I'm going to have two points. And my two points, first one is going to be we get to partner with Jesus. And the second one is we get to partner with his church. So there are my two points. If you're writing stuff down, uh, there are your headings. Hopefully that's helpful. Uh, for those of you not writing stuff down, hopefully you'll be able to follow that a little bit better now. Um, so if you've kept your finger in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, I'm going to open that up right now. And please read with me from verse 5. I didn't keep my finger in that. Ha-ha. Um, for what we preach is not ourselves, from verse 5, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. At Soul Revival Church, uh, we regularly say uh, that we are partnering with Jesus uh, to share the gospel person to person, generation to generation, place to place, and space to space. Uh, we say we partner with Jesus because, if you, if you were reading along here at verse 5, uh, what we preach is not ourselves but Jesus. Verse 6, we preach the good news that we only know, that we only have access to, because God gave it to us. This good news, this, 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 um, this knowledge that is a light in our hearts, is the truth of Jesus' death and resurrection. That verse 7 is a treasure and a power that we hold, those of us that are Christians. We hold this treasure, but we are just jars of clay. Elsewhere in the Bible, it goes even further and says that we are but dust. But I think jars of clay is a really lovely, uh, well-thought-out, well-chosen analogy here. Uh, because what he's talking about, uh, what Paul is talking about, is that uh, jars of clay are delicate as we are delicate. They are weak as we are weak, yet within these jars, we hold something powerful. We hold a truth and a love that is more brilliant than we, the jars, can imagine. And it's not because of anything we've done. Verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair, Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And why, when we are hard-pressed or crushed or persecuted or struck down, why are we not defeated? Because, verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. This is the treasure 
stored in our fragile clay selves. The death death and resurrection of Jesus means that we can be one with him. We are given salvation by him and we can never be destroyed, not by anything, not by whatever you are facing right now. I'm going to go elsewhere in the Bible to build a little bit on this. Um, Please flick with me uh, as we jump over to uh, John uh, chapter 15. In John chapter 15, starting at verse 4, it says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Uh, It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit Uh, Sorry, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Before I said uh, that we partner with Jesus as we do everything, as we share the gospel. Actually, is what I said before. We partner with Jesus as we share the gospel. That's something we say all the time at Soul Revival Church. But here... Jesus goes so far as to say we have to rely on him to get anything done. Apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. Apart from me, you are, if you look into that list in 2 Corinthians, you are crushed, in despair, abandoned, destroyed. But we carry around in our bodies... The death and resurrection of Jesus who says, without me, you can do nothing, but with me, you're going to be okay. The Bible doesn't promise an end to suffering here on this earth. That's not what I'm saying by saying that. But right before this, in John 14, he says to his disciples, yeah, I'm going away. And that's, this is the, the time we live in. Jesus isn't with us anymore. He says, I'm not going to be with you for a while, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to live in you. And verse 14, verse 27 says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is coming back. And so in unity with him, we rely on him and he gives us his peace. And he takes away from us our fear. Which is why 1 Peter, uh, he calls us to cast our anxiety on Jesus because he cares for us. We can have peace in the knowledge that Jesus is coming back. Peace in the knowledge that because of his death and resurrection, we have a treasure that we carry in our fragile bodies. And that treasure is God in us, assuring our salvation and assuring our protection. And so when faced with adversity, not hopefully, but hopefully, uh, when I was sharing that stuff at the start, some stuff came to mind for you. And I hope that as I go throughout this, unfortunately, that stuff will stay probably front of mind. How is God there in this space? When faced with adversity, what do we do? The Bible says, turn to God. And as we do that, we can rely on him. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. 
And that, for those of you that haven't tried it yet, is freeing. There are many Christians in here that can attest to the fact that when you put your burdens on Jesus, it is a beautiful time. Because yes, the burdens are still there, but they are not all on your shoulders. They are not all on our shoulders as he helps carry that weight in the knowledge and the hope that we have assured to us by him. And we, if we jump back to 2 Corinthians 4, do not lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When he says uh, light and temporary, what does he say? He says uh, light and momentary, sorry, troubles. He's not talking about hoping that Sam Kerr plays for Australia. That's a true thing, but that's not what he's talking about. This man has faced shipwrecks and he has faced prison and he has been run out of town. And he says, do not lose heart. Isn't that a little bit inspiring? There are problems we all have and there are problems we all face. And they are not like Paul's because his problems are wild. They are not like mine. Because my problems are mine. But they are like yours. And in those problems, he says, do not lose heart. We are being renewed day by day. These troubles are temporary things of this world. Instead, look to God. Fix your eyes on what uh, cannot be seen. Lean on Christ and the salvation we have through him. And that's when we get that Romans 12 verse I said, was talking about at the start. If we can do that, we will never be lacking in zeal. But keeping our spiritual further, serving the Lord, being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And this is the bit where you go, okay, Ethan. This is cool and all. But the joy stuff, I don't feel that, eh? And the patience stuff, that's actually not not here, not in this, not in what I'm facing. I can't be patient in this. Or I've been patient long enough. And then that that third bit, the, the, the being faithful in prayer bit, either... I've tried that and I feel like I'm not getting any answers or I don't even want to try that because I don't want to talk to God in this. And my response to that is point number two. The idea that yes, that can be hard, but 
we get to partner with each other as well. Because of our unity with Christ, we can rely on him. And because of our unity with Christ, we are united together. And because we are united together, we can help each other when it's hard. Uh, This is a really cool quote uh, that kind of links my first point into this second point, uh, theologically. Um, And it's from a guy called Joseph Hellerman. uh, And he says this, he says, to follow Jesus uh, in in this context uh, was meant, to follow Jesus meant to join Jesus's community. The thought that one could somehow acquire a personal relationship with God outside the faith family and remain an unchurched Christian was simply inconceivable to those whose lives had been defined from birth by the groups to which they belonged. How do we express our unity with Jesus? We go to church. We just got up. Like it's actually a biblical need, a salvation need as argued by a whole bunch of uh, guys that I can give you notes on if you want. And I do want to say, we go to church if we can. Now, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, what's it called? Camera. Um, When I make that clarification, we go to church when we can. I had a lovely conversation with a person during the week uh, when I said, I'm going to be preaching on resilience. And they said, Ethan, you're 25. And in my week, I had conversations with people that would make your blood curdle or whatever the phrase is. Um, And he then shared some of those stories. And those stories were of people that genuinely could not go to church. That is not a response they could have had. However, at the end of that conversation... I was able to say, but they told you those stories. And he was like, ah, yes, sir. There is something really beautiful and really special about the fact that we can share our troubles with our Christian brothers and sisters. This is our expression of our unity with Jesus. We partner with each other. And this is a biblical thing. From from the very beginning in the garden, God made Adam and Adam needed help. And so God was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, you need it. And I'll give you uh, the woman Eve to help him as his companion. Uh, Moses couldn't do ministry alone. Uh, He couldn't speak in front of people. And so God provided uh, and appointed Aaron. And when uh, Moses needed help a little later, he couldn't, he needed to judge the people. So he needs Joshua. When Jesus, uh, over into the New Testament now, when Jesus starts his ministry, he gets his boys together. He gets a group together. And it's not just the 12. When he gets to, you get to Luke 10 and Jesus sends out uh, 72 to go ahead of him uh, because the work is needed. And he sends them in pairs because they need one another too. In Hebrews, we are called to never stop meeting together, but continue spurring one another on to good deeds. Biblically, we do this whole Christianity thing together. In 1 Corinthians, uh, we are described as a body. Uh, We have different jobs Uh, and gifts, but we are one body. As Paul says, uh, if you want to flip to 1 Corinthians for me, 
Um, We're going to go to chapter 12, verse 25, which says, So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And so, when you are hard-pressed on every side, when you're burning out, or you're so anxious or depressed that you can't leave your house, the answer, as hard as it is, is come to church. And that's a big call, I know. Uh, In Paul Grimman's book, uh, When the Noise Won't Stop, A Christian Guide to Dealing with Anxiety, uh, he says uh, that you can't let anxiety take control of the basic disciplines of Christian life. Uh, Bible reading, prayer, church. He describes the bravery of a young girl uh, who at her lowest, at her worst uh, anxiety points, would walk through the back door in the first song, back door of her church in the first song and sit down And in the last song, leave and go home. She then got to a point where she would ask a friend uh, to come in with her and sit with her just to help her get through a church service because she was so socially anxious. And I'm going to quote Grimmins directly here. He says, She stubbornly refused to let go of the basics in the midst of the agony of her anxiety. I can share stories of people in this room who have done that. Same thing. I know people who every, and you know people, who every day stubbornly refuse to let go of the basics in the midst of their agony, anxiety or otherwise. If that is you today, God is faithfully holding you as you're sitting in here. And thank you for coming to church. Because we all need to be here. For our own spiritual needs and for each other's needs. It says there, now you are the body of Christ and each, of, each one of you is a part of it. Um, to close, I had one more thought. Uh, part of partnering with Jesus as church, sorry, part, part of partnering with Jesus as church is serving one another. And so the question arises, because uh, we're talking about those basics, how, how, do, how do we equate serving the body with going through trials? Can we do both at the same time? Uh, I, did, I said at the start uh, that there are different levels of resilience and different battles to face. And I want to be very clear, sometimes all we can do is walk through and sit through, walk in and sit through the service and walk back out, and that is okay. But serving is such an important part of being a Christian. It's almost one of those basics. Are we to shrink away from it in our trials? Well, if the life of Jesus and uh, the apostles are anything to go by, then I don't think we are. Because we are called to serve. So the answer, again, unfortunately as difficult as it may be, is get involved. It amongst the hardship. 
but do it together. Don't serve alone. Uh, at Soul Revival, we have some structures in place, uh, or, the, or, or at least structures we're trying to build to help this happen. Uh, for example, dinner is one of those structures. This evening, you have an opportunity, we all have an opportunity to sit with someone and ask them how they're going. We also all have an opportunity to sit with someone and tell them how we are going. That is part of doing what I'm, what I'm talking about. That is serving the body. Sitting with someone at dinner and seeing how they're going. We're also trying to set up a system uh, where everyone involved uh, would be equipped for a life for lifelong ministry. That's the idea. Uh, one of those systems is, I think, uh, coined by Michael Greaves uh, as I, I think it's the it's been it's become known as the rule of four. Um, and yes, he's nodding. Okay, cool. Uh, um, this idea is let's let's use community groups for an example. Uh, they have more often than not one leader, or at least one leader that you have noticed. Um, and in the, in the event that a community group leader is on their own, it's really easy for that person to be weighed down by not only their own stuff that they've got going in life, but suddenly they're looking after a group of people. And it's amazing and lovely, and, and it's a beautiful part of leadership to be able to pastorally care for people. But when you're alone, that's really hard. And that can lead to burnout, and that can lead to dropping out, and that can lead to all sorts of things. And so the solution is to go from one, or sometimes two, as, as many, couples, uh, many, many Bible studies are led by couples. This, this can still happen in groups of only two. It is a lot easier when it's two leaders and two kind of team leaders, and they become a team of four. And that team of four leads together with kind of more often than not the same person leading the study, but it becomes the responsibility of all of the four to look after everyone and look after each other. Because in that first situation, this person is just looking after and not being looked after. And so institutionally, we want to get to a point where everyone's looking after one another. That's just one example, and I think community groups are a really easy example of that. Um, but it translates into all of the ministries we have at church. Any moment uh, where you could be serving uh, can and will and should be done in teams. Uh, in youth ministry, we have coordinators and team leaders uh, and leaders in pairs over certain age groups to make sure that happens, that no one is alone. Uh, in our dinner teams, uh, I think we have groups of four who all know what they're doing so that if anyone drops out, they can hold the fort and include the others, uh, bringing them in uh, with the knowledge and the pro of the processes and also the, the relationships formed around cooking some food together. They can bring more people into that with this group of four. It goes so far as uh, cleanup teams, that we, those of us in cleanup teams, we do this together because hanging out in the kitchen and swinging on a tea towel uh, ends up actually being uh, a really fun time with our friends who are unified to us in Christ, and that's as little as cleaning up after dinner. In every aspect of our ministry, we want to do things together. I hope that makes sense. Now, what I'm doing right now is I'm not asking everybody just to jump into a team. If you want to, that'd be sick. Uh, I'm particularly 
not asking you as a vulnerable person uh, who doesn't think they can handle it uh, to get into a ministry right now because of uh, things happening in life. I'm not asking you to jump into ministry right now. Uh, I was uh, gifted a book this week uh, by Christopher Ash. Uh, The book is called Zeal Without Burnout. Uh, And in that book, he shares a story uh, from a guy who is a volunteer firefighter. And this volunteer firefighter uh, has a cool little philosophy where he says, um, firefighting is a little bit like ministry. Obviously, you have to push yourself physically while fighting a fire. You have to know your limitations uh, while making sacrifices needed to get the task done, uh, particularly the, the task that must be done. It's foolishness, though, to ignore your limitations and try to be a hero. If you're in the middle of a burning building and you cramp up or you pass out or you have a heart attack, it's counterproductive because you're now no longer effective in fighting fire and the resources that were dedicated to fighting the fire are now dedicated to saving you. He then goes on to talk about the fact that this analogy with firefighting works because the aim is not to be the lone hero running in to save the day, but to work with the other firefighters to put out the fire. And that's what I'm suggesting in this application to this resilience sermon. If you have capacity, get into ministry with people. We're not being lone heroes, but we're helping one another out. And if you're, already, if you're already in a ministry and it's proving too much, uh, it's too difficult, or you are in a stage of life where uh, we're doing this talking and the, 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 the thought that has been your particular state has been sitting there and going, oh, actually, I can't handle this. We have another institutionalized thing at Sora Bible Church that we call uh, Ministry Slide. Uh, it's not... Yeah, the, the ministry slide is uh, saying that it's not just go hard until you burn out or drop out. It's the permission to slide out and look after yourself, but not completely disconnect. Or it's sliding into a ministry that is better suited to your current limitations. Uh, these two institutionalized things at Sorrow Bible Church, or three actually, I included dinner. These three institutionalized things at Sorrow Bible Church are all things we are doing uh, as a staff team and as a ministry team Uh, to help people serve one another no matter what's going on in life. Uh, If you need more people in your team and you need to to talk to me or or the service team coordinators, if you need to slide, talk to uh, your pastor or one of your coordinators, Um, and if you want to get involved after hearing about these options uh, and how it's actually not very scary to get into ministry because we're going to look after you, if you want to get involved, um, come chat to me. That'd be sick. I'd love, to, I'd love to find out what you want to do. The point I'm trying to make is we do things together. It took me a while to get there. We show up. We show up in our agony. We look after one another in our struggles. We hope together. We do not lose heart together. And we serve together. And I'm going to close by reading 2 Corinthians 4 again. And I'm going to read it with a particular emphasis that I hope you'll all notice because it's going to be really obvious. And what it is, is it's looking looking at that passage through the lens of the resilient disciple isn't alone. Please read this with me. 
from verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal, in our mortal body. Let me just skip down to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we, together, fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Isn't that plural just beautiful? Let us fix our eyes on what is eternal together. Whether we are struggling right now or whether we're actually having a great day and this has been just another sermon. Let us together fix our eyes on what is eternal. One way.